0: Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by David Sadowski. He is the CEO and founder of Boulder. Boulder is a really exciting outsourcing firm. They started in the Philippines, and David spent uh, six years based in Manila, and now he's expanded globally. They have offices in South Africa, Mexico, as well as the Philippines, and they are also doubling down on... I suppose, the new direction of being an employer of record or a PEO. Uh, David is also uh, a B Corp registered company, and we discuss that. Uh, and he is really involved in impact sourcing, you know, making a difference with the outsourcing, uh, with his with his mission through outsourcing. So a really interesting conversation with David. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. Enjoy. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over three 1000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch Today, visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com/quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. David Sadowski, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hey, Derek, uh, doing really well. Uh, thank you for having me. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk today.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited. Where are you joining us from, David?
1: I'm today I'm in uh, beautiful, sunny Long Beach, California. So excited about that. It's a it's, I think it's 70 degrees out. It's pretty remarkable for, for February. It does look sunny, actually.
0: So, David, I am interested in your. Uh, you have a BPO. I'll get you to introduce that. Uh, you lived for six years in Manila. We, of course, crossed paths a couple of times at a couple of events, and uh, it's a small community over here in Manila in some respects. Uh, and you you know, you're sort of continually recreating, I think, what it means to be a BPO one and what outsourcing is, and and I think really staying abreast of kind of the future of employment. So I'm really excited to have a chat to you about all of that. I suppose initially for people that haven't heard of Boulder, do you want to just introduce what it is and what you're about?
1: Cool. Yeah. I'll give a little bit of context as to where where Boulder uh, started just so that's helpful. I I tend to drag on, so I'll do it pretty quick. Uh, I, I moved to the Philippines at a pretty young age of 23 um, and it was there that I set up my first outsourcing company and really three, things were going great. You know, the economy was proving that people really wanted to hire outsourcing companies and three years into that, uh, my business partner, my best friend, my advisor, uh, my mentor, he suddenly passed away. And this was the first time that someone in my immediate um, like circle passed and it forced me to really ask um, you know thoughtful questions of whether or not I was living the life I want to be living or doing the work that you know is, is what, like frankly, like the work that gets me excited but also the work that's meaningful. And a lot of the questions that I was having forced me to really rethink how we approached outsourcing. And so shortly after my best friend's demise, I, I, I decided to really rethink how outsourcing could be done. And for us what that meant was really setting up the company Boulder, Based on about values and principles that we are so proud of today, and so Boulder's purpose is, is really simple: we exist to help people grow and connect. It's it, it, that's it; like that is the purpose of our business, uh, of, of why we exist. Um, and really, the way we work with clients, our, our mission is to help you know businesses rethink how work gets done. Um, in the beginning of our business, it was really incorporating impact and partnering with community nonprofits and really bringing them in to help. Um, you know build partnerships between the communities and team members which proved to really improve um, uh, tenure and, and reduce attrition which was a really great thing and then you know it gradually evolved and we've explored many different ways of doing that um, we typically partner with uh, US, us-based businesses and also european and australian businesses to outsource work in the philippines mexico south africa and canada
0: and you do outsourcing and you know outsourcing is very much a, a people business, isn't it? people intense. Uh, and is it correct that you are in the impact sourcing camp? Like, is it is it sort of all, um, sort of, how do I say this? Is it all with a mission or, you know, <laughs> uh, um, like how is the angle sort of, I suppose, implemented operationally?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a beautiful question. Um, so I'll get into the impact sourcing work we're doing today. Um, but before then I, I, yeah so first the way that we we did a bunch of different things when it came to impact we, we explored you know okay let's let's build partnerships with nonprofits specifically in Manila because that's where we operated for the first three years and figure out ways for our team members to interact with the, the scholars that they worked with. It was it was that you know we tried that. We tried sponsoring team member specific volunteer activities and engagement and what we quickly and we did a bunch of different, I'd say hypothesis is how we could support. We've supported, you know, relief efforts for typhoons. But what quickly became apparent over the last two years for us was that, in order for impact to truly be sustainable, scalable, and also, frankly, um, keeping that tied to the success of the company, it needed to be a part of the way the way that the business works. And we like so, and also how. Our like how our economics and our profitability are, we have to have impact tied into that directly. And so, what I'm speaking to is, we've we've completely redefined our impact philosophy and our theory of change model. And a theory of change model is something I'd really encourage any company who's trying to think about impact um, to explore that and see how you know what what can one's unique business bring and how can you have a unique theory of change. And so, for us, what that means is we partner with nonprofits, foundations, and government agencies. In South Africa, Mexico, and the Philippines to um, provide training opportunities specifically around digital skills. That's that's the first component of our uh, impact philosophy. Uh, You know, because we're we're a believer that you know anybody should be able to access work digitally. It's the it's the new supply chain, and it's something that I get really excited about. And then the second part of that is that we're committing to hiring and employing a percentage of people that graduate from these digital training skills skills programs directly into the company. We, we don't have an offshoot impact sourcing model. We're, we're, we're guaranteeing placement into our existing service delivery teams um, from these impacts, uh, impact sourcing or impact training uh, programs. And so it's a part of our talent acquisition strategy. And so they're in there. And then the last piece, and this is the part that I get really excited about, is once you're employed at Boulder, what is the pathway to earning a living wage? And it's it's been a really fun process. And we're still working on this. And this is still an evolving piece but one of the most interesting things is that while it's pretty you know it is (laughs) for more or less it is it is a little complicated to create a living wage in the in the UK or the US but it's even more complicated to deploy methodologies in you know a country like the Philippines where there's extreme wealth and extreme poverty Mm -hmm. right next door to each other and you know we take that and we're looking at you know uh, South Africa as well and Mexico It's, it's quite complicated but for us the goal is. Can we create a living wage, which is basically defined as what it would need to what we would need to pay somebody in order to be lifted out of a poverty cycle? And if we can get them there and show them a career path there, that's creating long term systemic change. And that's something that we're really excited about. Did, Derek, did I answer your question? I kind of went on. Yeah, the no, it's drift.
0: fascinating. It's fascinating, you know. And it, it's such a big mission to take on because it's hard enough to run a business, and it's hard enough as a BPO to successfully you know, implement operations on behalf of your clients. And then, you know, you're also taking on, you know, these these bigger missions uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's honorable. It's, it's amazing. Um, you know, and, and I suppose, do you then, uh, what do I say, like purposely source from underprivileged communities or are you going out into the market to find the best staff available full stop? You know, how, yeah. where does that sort of blend
1: Great question. I, I just want to comment on the. It, it is hard to run a business. It's super hard. I think anybody listening to this who who does run a business would a- acknowledge that. And and what we've actually found is that by by making impact and you know this purpose of helping people grow and connect, our DNA, um, our our culture is actually you know the, the strongest it's ever been. And with that, our engagement is high, our turnover is low, uh, uh, and so it's just these. These things that since we do have a purpose that gets everybody excited and energized around, um, I believe that that's actually helping our business. And so, I, I I almost think like because of the impact focus we have, it's it's making our business a little bit easier. On on the sourcing piece, we have a lot of work to do there. We we still help companies hire uh, the best and the brightest in each of the markets that we're in. Our aspiration for these um, for our impact sourcing model is there's a lot of Routine-based work that our team members are doing that are really ripe for um, disadvantaged community members to participate in as as their first job with Boulder, and then from there, our hope is that we can invest in their education and process and upskilling, so that way they can take on the more complex work. But I would I would be lying to you if I didn't say we we seek out the best uh, the best candidates in each market.
0: Got it fascinating fascinating and so updates on your business then you you know you started as a philippine based uh, bpo and now where are you you're in south africa mexico colombia and the philippines yeah not colombia yet very soon <laughs> got it yeah. got it you know yeah. uh, there's a lot of focus on colombia right now like it's i spent i've spent quite a bit of time there actually and it's a fantastic country isn't it and so i can understand why people are attracted to to the place yeah. um what are you why spread internationally there's 110 million people in the philippines um why where do you see the advantage to sort of spreading across the world
1: great i think for me like i'll, I'll yeah i'll speak about this from a personal context first and so i after living in the philippines for six years and you know, spending a lot of time working with nonprofits and, and, and putting a lot of energy into figuring out how we could ha- deepen our impact in this community, I, I started asking the simple question. My, my, my family's from Merida, specifically, it's a, a small town or a small, it's the capital of the Yucatan, but it's a small co- town compared to Manila. Uh, and and I, so my family's from there. And my mom actually kept asking me like, David, hey, you're doing great work in the Philippines. Have you ever thought about doing this in Mexico? And my, my business partner, who's originally from Johannesburg, you know she she kept reminding me that hey David you know unemployment I, I think in Manila right now it's it's I, I actually don't know the, the true number I'm sure you do mm-hmm. uh, but f- specifically in the Western Cape unemployments 35 percent and in rural communities in South Africa it's as high as 75 percent and so we're like how could, we could have a bigger impact by exploring the different geographies that's one and then two our clients were asking for it and so for us, there's a lot of opportunity to be expanding for our clients to help them support Europe by through our South Africa offering. In, in addition to that, Mexico represents a really great nearshore opportunity for a lot of our clients who want um, team members who have a little bit more fluency when it comes to the cultural context of what it's like to you know work work it close to America and have a little bit more cultural uh, affinity. So that those were like the client reasons, but for us, it really started with the heart, and that's why we wanted to move there. I think. You know, there's this maxim that uh, Leila Jana from Samasource used to. I, I think she was the one who quoted this and founded this. Was talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And when I think about that, what I get really fired up about is the opportunity to create, um, you know, create jobs and create this, you know, frankly, opportunity pool for this talent that's all, like all around the world. And so we're really excited to continue exploring how we can be. Uh, moving it to different countries, but in a more thoughtful approach. I think a lot of companies overextend themselves a little quickly. I mean, we're guilty of this as well. So um, doing it a little bit slower, but making sure we're doing it in the right ways.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it adds just so much logistical complexity, doesn't it, to, to sort of operating efficiently in, in a number of countries that are spread across the world. So yeah, well done, well done. Yeah. And Thank to you. add a, you know, a really sort of quick fire round in terms of how would you I feel so bad even asking this question when you're sort of motivated by the by the by the impact of this. But how would you compare and contrast the the talent from the Philippines to South Africa to Mexico? Is it all is everyone the same the world over, or is everyone very different? Or you know, are some yeah. uh, countries better at some things than others? How would you how do you advise yeah. people which country should they outsource to?
1: That's a fun question. I'll give you my, my personal opinion, and, and I hope that anyone who's listening knows this, this is just my opinion on this. I, I think I think the Philippines will continue to remain the customer experience outsourcing destination. Um, a couple of reasons why um, labor, like the, like the wages that are being offered, and also the rates at which outsourcing companies are charging in the Philippines continues to remain immensely more competitive than South Africa and Mexico. We we have we do charge higher rates there. Um, however, the one thing I will argue is I think that the amount of managerial-related leaders and, and managers and leaders in, in South Africa is incredible. Um, these The the leaders that I have the opportunity to work with in the Philippines, South Africa, and Mexico all together are great. But one of the things that I've realized is that it, it was really hard for us to hire uh, leaders that would take on specific functions or business units. But one of the things that I realized was that not only is there such a, um, a, a, like a opportunity to hire great talent on, on at a desk level, but there's managers who are you know, suffering because of this 35% unemployment. And so we were able to hire incredible client success managers, incredible finance directors, incredible team members, like managerial leaders of, of functions and business units through South Africa that frankly was a, like a surprise and, and also a little bit of a gift as we started learning there. In Mexico, I think we also find our, our, our team there is you know more aware of our American culture. They they have more more experience working uh, with Americans more closely. So there's a little bit less of that um, shy factor that we see for people who aren't necessarily as familiar with um, with working with Americans. So I would say that's that's also a huge point as well. Um, mm. And yeah, that, that's my opinion. Derek, great question.
0: <laughs> oh, it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, and I think as the world becomes functionally smaller and we're all sort of interacting with each other, I I think eventually it's going to be this kind of global smorgasbord, for want of a better word. You know, you're going to get all your developers Absolutely. from from uh, from Eastern Europe, and you're going to get your customer service from the Philippines, and it's fascinating, yep. isn't it, how it's all going to play out?
1: Yeah, and I think everyone everyone talks about the future work and they, they, you know, sometimes bring up artificial intelligence or, you know, this this thing, but for me, I I really believe the future work is globally distributed teams, you know, hiring, hiring in these developing economies or even just, you know, developed economies as well. Um, And that, that, you know, sparks the, the PEO industry, which is really taken off during COVID. Uh, But that's just another way of connecting to this, uh, you know, global, uh, global talent.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that, because I have a bit of a theory that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, BPOs or outsourcing industry was needed, because there was such uh, enormous friction and difficulty in setting up an international team um, offshore, you know, just even for the servers and the infrastructure, whereas everything now, all of the friction is being removed. And I think 20 years from now, we're going to have just sort of a globalized workforce, and they're all going to be um, applying for jobs in the same Indeed or Monster website, you know, I think all of that kind of friction is gone. And so the need for an intermediary is gone. And you know, that's disintermediation as things mature, then you have this disintermediation effect. But you do need, you know, if you're going to do things legitimately, you do need proper employment. And that's where these PEOs, employer of records come in. Uh, and so I see the industry moving along those lines. Like what is, what is PEO? Just sort of explain that, I suppose, to set the scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. So, so typically P, PEO started when, uh, companies in the U.S. really wanted to partner with an aggregator who would aggregate, you know, employees from multiple different uh, U.S.-based companies and have them all employed under one organization to get competitive health insurance, to get you know competitive benefits that at, at a lower price than they could at you know a 10 to 20-person shop. Uh, one of the things that we've seen, and some, some great companies to follow if you're curious about the space, you know, Remote, Papaya Global, and Deal are, are just really setting the foundation. And Remote started pre pandemic. And what they were doing was, hey, like this PEO offering in the US is great. But could we could we act as the employer of record across the world? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, could we simplify payroll uh, for for companies that are having to, you know, pay through Upwork or pay via bill.com or pay via PayPal, to all of these different, you know, contractors that they're hiring, but they're actually full time employees. And so it was like to me, it was the most beautiful idea, and it's it's, it's actually quite a, like I think we're watching like our industry change right in front of our eyes, and it's such a gift. Um, it, and what we get really excited about is the way that we're approaching PEO is we don't have to be everywhere. Remote Deal Papaya Global—they're going to be the ones they're creating this global infrastructure, as you alluded to, for companies to hire talent anywhere in the world. Their payroll systems are going to be incredible. I mean, if you look at the amount of money they raise and the engineering talent they have, it's it's, it's remarkable. And we're so excited to see what that does. Uh, but the way that we're approaching it is what we found was, hey, like we have, you know, lower, lower turnover than industry standards. And we have employee engagement that we're really quite proud of. How can we leverage the support services infrastructure that we have? You know, think of like your, you know, your team member experience team, if you have one, or your impact team, uh, and really use that to create a PEO model that focuses on servicing the employee rather than the the client or the company. And so what we're doing is we're helping companies think about how to hire in each geography. We're helping them create job descriptions. We're helping them create salary bands. And we're also thinking, so we do that. And then we also coach them on how to manage and perform do performance increases for team members uh, in the geographies that we are, so we're taking a little bit of our own personal spin on PO, and that's what gets us really excited about it.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And I do think that's where the industry is going. You know, I think unfortunately there's there's a large part of the industry, the more sort of prosumer side, I suppose, where they're engaging employment, but they're not properly employing people. And I'm not sure where that's going to go. You know, like that can't yeah. last forever. People. Should be paying taxes, people should be paying benefits. And, you know, this is when systems are very complex, people inevitably go around them, which is what's kind of happening now. But hopefully, you know, systems will simplify. And then these PEOs or employer records will also assist businesses in doing the right thing, having properly uh, employed staff with all the benefits, the compliance. And, you know, it's it's that layer of facilitation which will hopefully help that and hopefully then encourage a lot more internationalized or globalized employment. Yeah,
1: yeah and just two things on that. I think, you know, I, I, I think there will always be a, a reason for companies to choose to use a traditional BPO rather than a PEO. What we're finding is a lot of our clients who, uh, you know, operate in both domains have really clear you know, KPIs and processes and work streams that are like really well fit for a BPO and they don't want to manage it and they're willing to pay more for that. However, when it comes to these, you know, more, let's say engineering hires or team members who are working on more um, critical, like the critical business side of, of them, like that, that's a PEO opportunity. And so for us, um, we're, we have the ability to move from BPO tasks to helping companies build teams and I think that's a a, that's a cool thing for us the other thing just just alluding to what you're saying is exactly what's happening in Mexico right now last April the government passed this uh, law actually making it illegal to outsource and what they're really trying to get after was people paying individuals as contractors and um, outsourcing companies that were smaller setting up a shell entity that would um, you know that would be a, be a way of avoiding paying you know, the benefits or the taxes out for your employees. And so that law is being challenged in, in the industry right now in Mexico, and it's actually quite a thing because P, companies started actually moving work to Guatemala and, and outside of Mexico because of that. But now the, like, the industry is finally challenging a lot of, the, of that law. And so we're excited to see what's happening there. but' it's, it's still a challenge. but to me, it goes back to this point. like people are going like, to try to move around systems that are set up because the, the future is globally distributed teams. And so, I, I, yeah, anyways. Yeah, that's that's
0: a fascinating development, actually, isn't it? Because the, and I had a podcast on this last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, the governments have always been able to control labor migration and labor mm-hmm. has historically always been, always required a physical presence you know, you needed to go to a factory or an office to contribute your labor, and then the countries would restrict who is in and out of that country. And now with digital work and online work and, you know, everyone just being able to connect with each other globally, the countries have no control over effective labor migration, taxes, who's uh, working for what company and what country, you know, and I am not surprised at all that countries are going to soon try and regulate that. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then so, you
1: add yeah. And then you throw cryptocurrencies and payment methods through them. On top of that, and then you just are left with like, what will this world look like in, in 10 years? And that's what that's the big question that I think all of us are thinking about, or at least I spend a lot of time thinking about.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Like I, I don't know where that ends. Like, are you because as well it you know, it can't be policed so easily, can it? You know, I can I can work for you sending emails all day and are you gonna police that by tapping into people's, you know, digital accounts? Like it's very hard to have visibility on that, isn't it? So it's kinda of fascinating.
1: Yeah it is and on the on the crypto payments piece we we explore this we don't currently offer it today due to the the tax and legal questions but you know it's up to the employee to declare for some of this some of the infrastructure that we're looking at to declare what percentage of their total salary was actually getting paid through crypto and so i i wonder in a world like what happens at if infrastructure you know from the government isn't really you know if people start moving away from that like what's next and so I, I don't, I, I'm not smart enough to to be able to dream of a future there. I just know that there's some really exciting and brilliant people already asking themselves this question. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, B Corp. Tell us about B Corp. You are one of the first B Corp outsourcers. Uh, tell us what B Corp is and, and also a little bit about the process for becoming a B Corp.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So to start off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from their, their website, because they say this better than anybody could coin, is uh, like, uh, Certified B Corporations are a new kind of business that balances purpose and profit. They're legally required to consider the impact of their decisions on their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. This is a community of leaders driving a global mu- movement of people using business as a force for good. And so for us, we, we've been exploring B Corp since we started the company. When we first applied, <laughs> if you go, they have this um, like this questionnaire you have to fill out. It's pretty extensive, and it was just really apparent that we were not ready. We didn't have the systems or processes in place to do it. Um, so three years later, after the first attempt, we finally were able to apply. It took us about sixteen months to 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 get actually from application to verification to you know certification, and that process was pretty intense. And it was mostly the the, the the timeline took so long because of the rush of applications of businesses during COVID. so if you are currently you know on the list and you haven't heard back from your evaluator that's that's the biggest thing that we saw um and it, it was for us what what made it so easy for us to to go through the evaluation process was because our entire leadership team was all in like everyone wanted to uh, raise their hand and help and making sure that we were qualified um, for this and so it was, it was it's something that if you're thinking about and like I would really want to make sure that anybody who wants to become a B Corp, the entire leadership and executive team needs to understand what it is and make sure that they're supporting it. Because businesses, business processes, internal processes will change. The way you evaluate your own vendors will change. And but it's an exciting thing, and we're really we're delighted to be the first BPO in the Philippines to do this. We represent, I think, the we We're now the eleventh globally, um, and we're the largest BPO. Um, in the world to be B Corp certified. So that we're pretty excited about that.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And it is, it's important, isn't it? Because, you know, outsourcing is such a people person game. Uh, and, and so it's, it's about kind of doing well by people, isn't it? And, uh, well done. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The way, the way I internalize that is our, our B Corp certification really validates the last five years. Um, however, now that we have it, I, I'm so energized in, to amplify our impact and do more. And so one of the most beautiful things of becoming a, a B Corp is that it opened doors for us to connect with the UN. It opened doors for us to connect with government agencies who, you know, at, when I tried reaching out to them a year ago, maybe weren't as excited to talk to us. But now because we have this certification saying we're, you know, trying and attempting to do, you know, the best we can, they're more engaging and supporting.
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. is it? It's, uh, it's, it's all, uh, what are you going to do with the UN? Is it, <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that. Is it, is it sort of a <laughs> sort of jobs programs and stuff like that? Like,
1: Yeah. So we, we, we joined the, UN, the UN global. Yeah. We joined the UN global compact. And the first thing that I, I didn't, I didn't actually think that these institutions would, would actually help us. Like it was like, it was, it's a really amazing thing. And we, we got in and we, we had this interview with them where we were talking and they're like, Hey, we can introduce you to the living wage Institute in the UK, who's doing this work in Western uh, in the Western Cape, like you should meet them. And they introduced us to professors in the Philippines and Mexico who are working on programs for social impact. And they, they, they're more of a connector and a facilitator of introductions that we would have never been able to do before. Um, on top of that, there are some pro- programs um, specifically in Africa that we're thinking about exploring um, in partnership with them and other clients that we work with. And so, Yeah, there's just a lot. And I think the the benefits for us is it's it's recognition, uh, but also like we're we're really excited to just encourage more BPOs, you know, business owners in general to really become B Corp certified. I think it's a lot of, you know, our clients love it. Um, Our potential clients really see that as a differentiator as well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to move away bolder and like, me founding this want to move away from being the exception to being the expectation. Like how great would it be if more BPOs were B Corp certified? What would that mean for our employees in the community?
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, fascinating. Well done. You know, I am surprised like ADB for those that aren't aware, which is Asian development bank uh, based in Manila in the Philippines. It's a huge organization, I think with 10,000 expats and, you know, huge organization and obviously spend a lot of money in, in Asia and developing Asia uh but they you know outsourcing is an absolute sleeping giant isn't it it's a huge industry it contributes 11 or 12 percent to the gdp and it's an incredible opportunity to lift the philippines and you know many other developing countries out of poverty and you know to bring economic opportunity to to everyone and it's amazing that there isn't sort of more conversation with ADB or involvement. And I'm sure they, they do get involved, but it's it's pretty, I, I think outsourcing is one of the clearest pathways to, as you say, like more evenly distributing opportunity to talent around the world. And it's just so so clear and so obvious, yet there doesn't seem to be I think I think outsourcing is seen as a bit of a sort of corporate affair, and you know it's business people making money. But actually, for the workers, it's lifting, it's creating a middle class, and it's it's bringing all of these people out of sort of a um, opportunityless existence. Like it's it's huge. It's a huge opportunity, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, and I, I'm smiling and grinning from ear to ear, to ear hearing you say that. I, I for me, I, I get you know, I, I I sometimes roll my eyes when people talk about the future work being AI or, or you know, something like that, because I think this is the future work. Uh, when, when we look at, you know, what Leila Jana, the founder of Source, said about talent being equally distributed, but opportunity not, she then would follow it up typically with the saying, uh, you know, the statistic that 1 billion people in today's world live on just $1 a day, and that's adjusted for purchasing power. And you know, what I believe and what she believes and others believe in this space is that this level of poverty is the root of all of the issues that philanthropy, phil- uh, you know, philanthropy and other NGOs try to solve. And what I get so fired up about is that this is how we create systemic long term change. And I, I've, I, I get into heated debates sometimes with individuals who, who agree that this is just a corporate affair because I, I don't see it that way. I think this is the way that, you know, an individual can go from, you know, graduating top of her class in one of the best universities in the Philippines and earning, you know, $400, 500 a month to now earning, you know, $3,000 a month in less than like two years because of how hard she works and her just aptitude. And so for me, this is just like the, the quickest way to accelerate change and also, frankly, reverse the trend of people going from their home economy to the UK, the US, Canada, and, you know, reversing that brain drain, which is also putting a lot of strain on the startup communities around the world. So yeah, I think I I, I, this is the future of work.
0: Yeah, I'm always fascinated. We do a lot of advertising. And you know, we get a lot of comments and kickback on Facebook and things like that. Like, people are vehemently opposed to offshoring and outsourcing. There's there's kind of two factions, you know, like particularly in America, Um, they either hate the fact that jobs are being taken from Americans, you know, like, but equally people are appalled at what they see as slave labor or what they assume as being slave labor as, you know, kind of coerced, um, you know, or underpayment. And, it's just, I don't know whether people just aren't open to the concept or they really believe this, but they, they don't understand that, you know, the, it's actually an incredible positive opportunity to give these people a job at $500 a month and they are engaged and they are then on the career ladder and they love their work and they love their workplace. And, um, you know to us yeah. it's obvious you know we live in Manila we or we have lived in Manila I live in Manila we see it and it's just the going salary um, but for other people yeah. it's very difficult to get that perspective across yeah
1: totally and and you know as a consumer I don't I don't actually blame them I, why you know they have this view on outsourcing and you know in the 1990s and 2000s what we saw and I, I was I was a little kid then, but I've, I've done my research and I've talked to enough people. But, you know, I think cor- corporations over indexed and outsourced, you know, the majority of all functions that they could to places like India. And that's actually what sparked you know people moving centers from India to the Philippines, because there was a like, oh, like overcorrected. We did too much. And so on top of that, I also think that, you know, in the early to mid 2000s, when I first moved to the Philippines in in 2013, working conditions were pretty horrible in some of the BPOs that I worked at, and also some of the BPOs that I toured. And so, you know, the way I look at this is like, historically, there was two groups that benefited in an outsourcing relationship. It was the, the company choosing to do the outsourcing work, and it was the client, uh, uh, the company choosing to do the outsourcing work, and it was the company providing the outsourcing services. I think that the marginalized uh, individuals were the team members in the community. And so that's that's fortunately changing as you know, um, supply of talent in Manila gets more, more and more competitive because more people are moving here. So I I believe that the the change is happening. But I I also don't blame why consumers and individuals in the US, or in developed economies have this perspective and perception of outsourcing. And I think it's up to us to change it.
0: Hmm. So the future you've you've touched on this a little bit, you've alluded to AI and automation uh where do you see the future going you know i see i see first stop or or is is globalized employment you know uh i'm i'm still unsure you know whether the next stop after that is ai taking over the whole world and you know and we're just completely all redundant where do you see where do you see the sort of progress of of employment generally and and outsourcing
1: Great question, Derek. I, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I choose not to like really overthink or get too in the weeds on the AI piece. I, I can read enough sci-fi to, to really allude to what a future could look like there. But but for me, again, like you know, whether or not you're one of the fastest growing PEOs in the world, like Remote Papaya Global or Deal, or you know a BPO just doing great things like Partner Hero, there you know or um, work as well. It's just it's really exciting to see what these uh, smaller smaller BPOs and these technology companies are doing to creating access to meaningful work for people all around the world. And that, to me, is the future of work. And that's what really gets us excited. Um, I, I think there's a, there's a learning curve for companies who have historically only hired in their neighborhood or in their community to explore how to even approach you know, hiring people through the digital economy. Um, but that, 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 to me, is the most obvious future. And it's already happening. And it's been happening for the last decade as well. So, yeah
0: yeah 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 i think it is just this more sort of you know what i see as the big change is is 10 years ago it was kind of slightly like people had heard of it especially the people Mm -hmm. reading tim ferris and the solopreneurs (laughs) and all this and the e-commerce kind of people they were on board but it hasn't seeped into sort of normal society and I think in another ten years, well, maybe twenty years, it will be default. Yeah, it will go from sort of obscure to just people will be hiring people globally, like right? as as yeah, default. Right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, the world will continue to just be more interconnected. A smaller a smaller universe as you know, people explore you know moving abroad for their digital nomad work experience that a lot of the major corporations are already offering. So yeah, I, I see that, and as that happens, I'm excited for companies and individuals to be employed by know, a company that is not based where they grew up. Like, I think that's a beautiful learning opportunity. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny, you say the small, the world's getting smaller, like, to me, that is obvious. But I think to a lot of people, they don't agree, you know, they see the issues with China and trade disputes and Brexit breaking up. And they go, Oh, my God, it's going to get, you know, and like, US is going to start manufacturing its own face masks. You know, and they're like, we're all going to split up and never talk to each other ever again. And I'm like, that—that's rubbish. You know, we're we're definitely going to a single uh, uh, market, a single market, <laughs> a single kind of world. But to, yeah. to it's that's not obvious to everyone, is it? It's amazing.
1: Yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, I, I think if anyone's a fan of cryptocurrencies or you know, Bitcoin or any 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 sort of coin, it's like that. That is almost like the the opportunity is to just create a, you know, a more flat society that is interconnected. And so, yeah, I, I hear you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. David, thank you so much. Like a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Well done with Boulder and your B Corp uh, certification. So uh, I encourage everyone to, to reach out and have a conversation about that, that brave new world of employment. If, if anyone wants to learn more or connect with you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, follow me on, on LinkedIn. I'm the most active there. And then uh, feel free to email me and I'll share my email with you, Derek. It's dsudolski at boulderimpact.com. Like always happy to talk. Uh, if anyone needs help with B Corp, always happy to support and getting more more companies on board there. Um, so yeah, and thank you, Derek. This was a great conversation as well. I appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, absolute pleasure. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you, David.
1: You're
0: welcome. That was David Sadolsky of Boulder. If you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com podcast. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, just send us an email at ask
1: at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.